The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn to create a growth agenda to get your business on the right track and keep it there. Rev up your growth engine with exceptional talent and develop the right kind of leadership to move it forward fast. Now, here is Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge, giving practical advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders and how to take your company, firm, or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. I'm Marcia Zeidel, your Smart Moves Coach, getting you on the right track, keeping you on the right track, and making sure you don't get sidetracked. Let's start with a Smart Moves quote from Richard Branson, well-known entrepreneur and founder of Virgin Airlines. He said, One thing is certain in business. You and everyone around you will make mistakes. It's also one of the things he says he wished he had known when he first started out in business. In other words, mistakes are welcome things, which brings us to today's topics. I wish I knew then what I know now. And my guest is Tom Borger, management consultant and business leader. Over his career, Tom has helped numerous startups and small to mid-cap companies find their footing. Therefore, he is very qualified to talk about what it takes to succeed as an entrepreneur and why success takes time, how to source and secure funding, as well as how to work with venture capitalists, and what kind of leadership is required to accelerate growth And the best thing I ever learned is a simple lesson. And I do want to hear that simple lesson. But first, I want to welcome you, Tom. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. It's good to be here. Thank you, Marcia. Okay, let's get started. Richard Branson talked about learning from mistakes. And I think that's very important. However, let's start out with focusing on some of the successes you were part of. Can you tell us about two and what made them successful? Um, sure. Um, I've been really fortunate to uh, have uh, an opportunity to be part of a, a number of small to mid-sized companies early in their growth stages uh, and be part of the team and as either a senior executive or the CEO um, that helped uh, create success. And so early on, in my career, I was able to join a, a small company called MBI, and we basically were doing what a lot of other companies were doing, which was marketing and selling personal computers in those days uh, to, to companies. Um, but that market was strange. It was fragmented. Uh, there weren't people doing corporate uh-huh. sales. And, and our, uh, uh, we simply took a different approach. 
And so in our case, it was the idea of, of being able to reach out to corporates rather than make them come to us that allowed us to take that company from a million dollars in revenue to a hundred million dollars in revenue in, in three years. Uh, wow. Now, yeah, so, <laughs> well, you know, I appreciate the wow, but, you know, sometimes uh, it's, it's really good to be in the right marketplace, too. I, I want to make sure that I'm clear that it, it really pays, uh, uh, t- you know, to, to pick the right market. But it, it, I really, when I've looked back at MBI, I think it was that single idea of figuring out how to reach out to corporates and then relentless execution with a quality team. We were really good at picking people Uh and we executed relentlessly. So the magic there was a good idea with good people and then with relentless execution. Uh, No particularly great insight, no new product, uh, nothing that turned the world on its head, um, just a simple change in strategy and a focus on making things happen and working really hard. And it led to really good success. A lot of people made money. Uh, a lot of people had a lot of fun. And it was the launching ground for a, a lot of young people to, to move forward in their careers and, and go do other things, I, including me. I was, I was actually fairly young then. So. Well, you know, let me take what you said, and I know you want to go to second one, but here are the, the, key, the, the key points that I heard from this example with MBI. First, you have to have an idea, but an idea that works. And something is, how do I, you know, what are my competitors doing and how can I do it differently? Then the second thing you said, you need good people. And that is so important uh, because if you don't have the right people in the right positions, uh, you're not going to grow. And then the third thing was you said relentless execution. Can you just say one or two sentences about the execution part, what you did? Um, Yeah, I I think the key is that we were – two things. One is we built processes – and we used processes as a, as a way to free ourselves up. We didn't become slave to process. Process allowed us to, to, to focus on the things that mattered. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And secondly, we were, I think, really good at asking ourselves the tough questions about what worked, what didn't work, and making changes. Um, we, I, I think it was safe to say that that while we worked hard and there's a certain element of hard work and making things happen that relentlessness implies, that the other thing is is taking the time to figure out what you're doing right or, or not doing very well and, and being um, unsparing in, in your willingness to make changes as necessary to fix those things. Well, and, and so those are some really good um, keepers from your first example. Uh, can you go to your second example? Sure. Um, I was part of a little company that was building software for the healthcare space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able, over the course of four and a half years, to raise um, $24 million in venture funding, which uh, was pre-internet uh, bubble, so I don't want anybody to think we were one of those internet bubble companies, uh, and built a... Uh, um, an enterprise software product and then sold the company to somebody who wanted um, the technology. So I think in that case, it was really a matter of, of uh, building a product that was in the right place at the right time for the right market, which is you know, healthcare information systems, um, which, by the way, just 
slightly off your question, but, uh-huh. uh, is, is, is suddenly becoming a hot marketplace again. I've been reading about financing in that market, and there's lots and lots and lots of money flowing into that market today. So, so one, of the key, uh, one of the keys for success was having the right product at the right time with the right market. Um, what other might be keys of success from that your experience with HST? Yeah, let, let me comment on your, yours, which was that vision. There was a founder who had a vision who asked me to come help him execute against that vision. So I want to be clear that I didn't have that vision. I was the person who helped the founder uh-huh, uh-huh. who maintained that vision um, but wasn't really an operating executive and helped him convert that into an operating company. So we, we did a couple things, I think, really well. Uh, one was we were able to recruit. This was in the, the Pacific Northwest. We were able to recruit uh, just an outstanding team, and we built a culture that demanded excellence in, in terms of what we built, uh, in terms of how we dealt with our customers, and in terms of, of what we were doing with the company in, in all areas. And I think that combination of good people and good culture allowed us to create a product that was highly, highly successful in a, in a targeted marketplace. When you talk about, and again, you, you focus on the people, and I like that because people create uh, growth. But at the same time, you say you talked about culture. And can you describe that culture a bit uh, that th- that propelled you to success? Yeah, I I, the, I think that uh, culture maybe, and and I I'm always hesitant to use that word because it may be overused in some environments. You know, people talk a lot about well, we built a good culture. I, I think that that it's a, and I'm going to talk about this later in that in the the best lesson I ever learned. Right. I think it's it's really an element of getting everyone, um, uh, giving everyone the opportunity to feel that they're a part of making something uh-huh. uh, bigger than themselves. Uh-huh. I, 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 my personal belief has always been that people want to be successful uh-huh. and that if you allow them the opportunity to be part of a team that is successful and make them feel like their contribution, um, not feel, and you make their contribution valuable to the team as a whole, you will get extraordinary performance from them. And I totally, totally agree with you. And I've seen that happen. And, and it tends to happen in smaller companies. Uh, but I'm sure it, it happens in big ones, maybe in certain departments. So we focused on the keys to success. And, you know, in, in this um, example, you talked about vision. There needed to be a vision. And, and the vision was with the founder. And then, again, um, the idea of having the good people, the right people and the good people, and then building a culture that made them feel um, excited them about being part of the, of the team, part of the company, and drew the best from them. And, of course, there's always the execution, making sure that that gets done. So I think our listeners have heard uh, at least five uh, keys to success. Now... Um, Let's talk about some failures. Uh, you have given me a list of ten, and can you go over them? Because we just have about, oh, uh, maybe three, four minutes in this segment, and maybe we'll carry it on to the next segment. So what were some of the lessons from failure? Yeah, I, that's it. <laughs> well, having, having had a couple of – I'm sorry to laugh, but I, I, I've had a couple of failures, and they've always been painful. But I think there are some things that I, I've, I've learned, and I've always – 
I've tried to develop this little list of, of things that, that in the startup world at least, um, are really critical. And the first one is um, you've got to create value. Ultimately, people are going to buy things that offer value. And, and as, as, as silly as that sounds, um, I think that sometimes people overlook that, that it's really critical um, um, to create value um, in the marketplace for your potential customers, for your investors, for your employees. Um, value is, is sort of always got to be in the top of your mind. Um, two is I, I don't think a lot of people are really good at listening mm-hmm. or reflecting on what they hear. Um, it's easy when you're in a startup or in a young company to start to believe your own hype. You get excited about what you're doing. You get excited about the product. You get excited about the market. You get an early customer. It becomes easy to not listen very well, not ask a lot of questions, not go out to the marketplace and hear what people have to say and then reflect on those answers rather than Uh just take them at face value. Um, And then the third one you have... Which is, you've got to have rules. Okay. <laughs> I know this sounds funny, and, and I don't mean to sound like a big company guy, but it's easy in a small company to not put rules in place. And if you don't do it early, it gets tougher and tougher to do it. And there have to be some fundamental rules of how people operate, how the company operates, and they've got to be in place. And if you don't do that, you run the risk of causing yourself real problems later on. And um, we uh, you talked, the next one is cash. And... Um, Briefly, can you talk about that, and then we may yeah. get to the other ones after the break. Yes. Yeah, I don't. Th- I, there's no magic to cash. Cash is king. Can't run the company without money. It is easy to lose sight of the fact, and I have talked to more people who are working, and they get caught up in the, uh, I'm building something great, I'm building the future of the company, you know, et cetera, and, and they lose sight of the fact that if you don't have cash, you can't pay your bills. I know that sounds really fundamental, um, but I I. I I can tell you from personal experience that it is very easy for people that you would uh, never suspect of missing the basics um, to to simply walk away from that and not understand how critical it is to to manage their cash flow. Well, on that note, we are going to take a a short break. This is Marcia Seidel, your Smart Moves coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's business channel. And when we come back, uh, Tom is going to go through the next uh, four or five uh, lessons from failure. So stay tuned. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. 
There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Where will your business be five years from now? Will you be soaring or just getting by? Of course you want to grow and prosper, but with growth comes bigger headaches. More hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more plates to juggle, more stress, and more demands on your time. Yes, there is a solution. It's the Smart Growth System, created by Marsha Zidal, executive coach to business leaders. It will give you the tools to take the growing pains out of growth. Get a free consultation and assessment from Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back, listeners. This is Marcia Seidel, your Smart Moves Coach. And my guest today is Tom Borger, Management Consultant and Business Leader. And he's providing insights from his years of experience, telling us about things that I wish he, I knew when I had, I wish I knew things then that I know things now. And so we've been going over, in the first segment, we went over some key ideas and uh, insights about success, and now we're looking at what he's learned from failures. And he went over the first four, and now let's start with number five. You say lean. What do you mean by that? Well, that's become a really popular term. Steve Blank, in particular, has written about this, and there are a number of people that have written about the, the lean startup. And it simply means that you've got to remember that, that every dollar you spend is a dollar that you're investing uh, and that you don't have to invest in something else. And, and that the leaner you can be and the longer you can stay lean um, and, and in terms of your spending, uh, your investment, etc., the more likely you are to be sustainable over the long term. And I think you're really also saying to, to, to monitor, your, monitor your cash flow. Well, it is. I mean, clearly cash flow is part of it, but, but there's, a, there's a book by Eric Rice, uh, Reese, R-I-E-S, um, that talks about the lean startup. And, and I think that, that there's really a, a whole um, perspective on how to uh, manage the company in a lean way and, and learn 
and develop and grow without necessarily depending on dollars to solve all problems. Ah, okay, okay. okay? That, um, yes. Um, and then the next one you say is do not tolerate mediocrity. Well, I'm a big believer in both the, that one and, the, and the, what I listed is number seven on my little personal list, which is ruthless hiring. Right. I, I think it's easy to, to tolerate mediocrity as long as it isn't creating problems. So, you know, a C performer, as long as they don't, they're not agitating, they're not creating a fuss, um, it's sometimes easy to overlook. And in fact, C performers are much more damaging in some ways because mediocrity becomes an accepted part of the organization. And, and I believe that you can't tolerate it. And the sooner you set that standard, the better. And the same thing with hiring. Good enough is, is usually good enough when it comes to a product. Good enough is never good enough when it comes to hiring. And I don't care what position you're hiring for. It, 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 I believe that it is, in, it, particularly in a small company, critical to be ruthless in hiring only the very best available people. Otherwise, I think you run the risk of diluting your workforce, and it's something from which it's almost impossible to recover once that process starts. Right, and I think uh, some hiring either managers or CEOs, they're so concerned, they just want um, a body in a chair. We have to have someone to start doing this because someone left or uh, we just got this big contract, and they don't really take the time, I believe, to analyze what they need really in that new hire. And the and as you say, um, not to not to uh, pick someone who's just mediocre, but that is really really good. Um, so I like those two: do not tolerate mediocrity and ruthless hiring. And and you number eight is always say so what. So what do you mean by so what? Uh, I'm a big believer in the so what word. People say things to you or to me or to their customers, and it's frequently. A smart thing to just say at the end of that, well, so what? What does it mean? What's the, what does it imply? And I think we allow people to get away with telling us partial pieces of information or broad statements. The implications are, what, what does it mean to the business? And I think we ought to be demanding of the people that work in our environment to tell us what things actually mean and why they are either valuable, uh, need to be changed, etc., and, and that, that we are... Um, it is reasonable to expect um, they can answer the so what question. Tell me what that means. Tell me why it's important. Tell me what the implications of that are. And, and so I, I'm a big believer in asking that second and third and fourth level question. And in fact, Marcia, I think it carries mm-hmm. to the next point, which is don't believe your own hype, which I, <laughs> I touched on earlier. It is very easy to start to believe your own hype and let your people regurgitate it to you because mm-hmm. it feels good. Mm-hmm. It, and, and, and I'm as, you know, I mean, all of us are human. It feels really good to believe <laughs> that things are as good as we think they are. Right, right. Um, and it's really hard to ask tough questions. Um, it's not hard to be a jerk. It's hard to ask tough questions in an intelligent way that force the conversation down to what really matters so that you can get to the root of these kinds of things. And unfortunately, people who come, if you're in a big corporate environment, you have some you have some cushioning around you. In a small company, you don't have that. Mm-hmm. So. I know. I once wrote a blog post that says, don't kill the messenger, because that tends to happen. If someone it does. Is, you know, you have to be able to hear not so much the good, but the bad, and how you can deal with 
with the problem. So I think that's, I like that. Don't believe your own hype and don't be insulated. And number 10, I think this is so important for entrepreneurs. Uh, Don't do it yourself. Yeah, and you know, I learned this lesson, believe it or not, in a big corporate environment. When I I was a very young guy, I was a sales rep for a short period of time, and I got promoted to sales manager. and, (laughs) And, you know, all of a sudden, I wasn't a doer. I was supposed to be the leader, and all I really knew how to do was do. Uh, that was what what I understood, and and I think that that happens in startups. You know, the 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 CEO or the founder wants to do things because they're good at it, and mm-hmm. the role the role changes and it continues to morph. You have people who are responsible for things. It's critical that they be responsible for them, and that you hold them accountable for performance, and that you don't do it for them. That's what I was trying to get at. And. Totally agree. So now we've gone through the list of the uh, ten, uh, the failures and your lessons learned from your failures. <laughs> and now I'd like to move on because you have a lot of information about sourcing and securing funding. And you talk about ten things I've learned. And can you pick up maybe before our break, maybe two or three things that you've learned and maybe we can carry it over? So what, are yeah. the, so what have you learned? So this this isn't about how to find the right venture capital fund or the right angel investor that's a different thing that's a you know locate them and dig them out this is about once you've got an audience what do you do uh-huh. and and i think that the 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 single most important one is to tell a story uh-huh. um Investors are human beings, and despite the fact that they may come across, maybe private equity investors may come across as a little more calculated, by and large, they are human. They want a story. They want something that they can believe in, and you have to have a story. And so when you make your pitch or when you tell your story to an investor, it has to be just that. It has to be a story, and there has to be a a sense of continuity that conveys a message that they can get behind, that creates a sense of excitement. And uh, while we're talking, excuse me, Marcia, while we're talking about a financial transaction, it is still critical that it has a sense of of, um, excitement and shows your commitment so that you can can tell the vision and then backfill against that about how you're going to execute against it and turn that vision into reality. But if the investors don't buy into the inve- into the vision, they're not going to invest in the company. So the first thing is to you know to have a vision and be able to communicate it. And I know a couple of other points you have here is know your audience and be succinct because that's important. You could have a vision, but you have to be able to translate it into what what will get your audience uh, excited. So can you talk about that and also be succinct? Well, I think that, that, that knowing your audience is a, a cl- sort of a classic sales rep thing. It, the more you know about them, the kind of companies they invest in, what's been successful for them in the past, etc., the more you can tailor your message to them in a way that you know is going to have some impact because they're going to respond to it because they've responded to it before. I, I don't think there's any magic to that. Uh-huh. I think it's more a question of, of doing the work so that you're prepared to do it. Um, in terms of being succinct, I, 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 I can't begin to tell you how many investor presentations I've looked at and the person hasn't talked to a VC yet and they've got 50 slides, a 200-page business plan, um, the slides have 600 words each, etc. And I will tell you bluntly, 
that there are three keys to this. One is a picture, a chart, or a graph is worth a thousand words. So the more you can chart, graph, or picture, the better. If your business plan is more than 20 pages, it's way, way too long. And again, unless you're doing a financial transaction with a private equity firm, for venture startup investing, 20 pages is the longest, including the financials. <laughs> and last but not least, you need an executive summary of it, no more than two pages um, that tells the story in a way because in most cases, that's the only thing that's going to get read by most people, if at all. And I think the, the next one, you talk about practice, 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 and you have to have a 30-second version and a two-minute version. But because we have just about uh, 30 seconds left, um, what is the 10, 20, 30 rule? Let's end with what uh, – that, that's a simple thing to remember. But what is, what is that rule? Okay, that's Guy Kawasaki's role, one of the guys who was early in Apple, and it's really simple. His belief is that any presentation should be no more than 10 pages, last no more than 20 minutes, and that all type on PowerPoints should be no smaller than 30 <laughs> points. And so I, I've always liked that rule, and I think uh, Kawasaki's uh, 10, 20, 30 rule really makes sense. Uh, 10 pages, 20 minutes, 30-point type. Well, that we're going we're gonna to take a break now, and I hope everyone remembers the 10, 20, 30 rule. So uh, we're going to take a short break. This is Marsha Zidal, your Smart Moves coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's business channel. And my guest is Tom Borger, and stay tuned. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Where will your business be five years from now? Will you be soaring or just getting by? Of course you want to grow and prosper, but with growth comes bigger headaches. More hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more plates to juggle, more stress, and more demands on your time. Yes, there is a solution. It's the Smart Growth System, created by Marsha Zidal, executive coach to business leaders. It will give you the tools to take the growing pains out of growth. Get a free consultation and assessment from Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back. This is Marcia Zottel, your Smart Moose Coach, and my guest is Tom Borger, Management Consultant and Business Leader, and he just finished talking about the uh, five uh, insights into securing and sourcing funding and the things he's learned, and now we're going to go to another th- uh, another aspect of what he's learned in his many years of experience as a management consultant working in startups and mid, uh, mid-sized uh, companies. So, Tom, can you give us the five thoughts about getting results? Yeah, I, I think that um, uh, there are a lot of good news. knows. You, you can buy books, uh, take courses, uh, study as long as you want about uh, how to get results, but I think there's really five sort of of, of key lessons that I've picked up over the years that I try to focus on because anything more than that is beyond me. And the first is um, uh, trying to, to measure what really matters. Um, it's easy to either not measure enough or measure everything. Uh-huh. And, and really, I think it is um, trying to figure out how to pick the key performance indicators that really matter in terms of both your short and your long-term goals. Um, you know, I, I think ultimately a CEO's job is to um, improve this ratio of the number of people that are performing at a high level versus the people who aren't. So that's one. I, I think the second, Marcia, is um, you can't change people really. You can train them, you can teach them new skills, um, and you can help them become more of what they already are, but you can't change them. If you're trying to change an individual, they're probably the wrong person for the yes. job. Yes. Um, and I think the, the, one of the best strategies for building an organization is to help people become more aware of who they really are and help them get better at being that person. Um, the third one... Well, can I add something to that? Sure, of be, course. Be, uh, because uh, from my experience as being an executive coach, uh, there are times when I'm called in to, quote, fix someone, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because I they're not performing. And in my discussions with them, I help them realize that this may not be a good fit for them. Either the culture's not good or the uh, uh, the position. And instead of biting their nails waiting to be fired, uh, they make that decision. And they're better off and the company's better off. So I, I totally agree. Uh, stop trying to change people. Hire the right people for the job. Give them the resources and, and, and give them the environment in which they could succeed. So I wanted to put that in. Any comment about that before you go to the third? You know, I, I would agree with that completely. I think that fits with exactly what I was trying to say, which is, you know, that, that it, it's how you leverage the talents they have, not what you can turn them into that really matters. Right. So go to your third one, okay? Okay. This one's really hard for a lot of senior executives, which is you're not the most important person in the company. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and in fact, you may be in some ways, and you certainly might be the most important from in terms of authority, or if you're the founder, you might be the most important in terms of vision. But there's a team around you, and, and I use the term sometimes middle managers, but the people who are responsible for implementation of the plan, ultimately, the ones who help you develop it and then go out and implement it, they're most important people. Um, and, and I think that's very hard for some 
uh, CEOs to accept. So, um, just my just my thought. Um, the the fourth is really simple. Um, I think that people look outside too much. Now, I, as someone who does some consulting, like you, <laughs> I, I I always bite my lip a little bit when I say this because it seems counterintuitive. Um, because in fact, I want people to look outside. Um, but what I mean is, is that it's really easy if you're not careful to start looking outside for what course should we take? Who do we need to add? What's the questions? You know, who can we bring in to do this or who can we bring in to do that? When frequently the answer to those questions are internal, if we had, um, really the insight to, ask our own people the right questions mm-hmm. and be mm-hmm. relentless in pursuing the answers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, I think the last point that I have is, is that you don't want to assume that everyone wants to do your job or that, or that really great people uh, want to be promoted out of the jobs they do best. And I, I, I think, you know, many years ago when I first joined Xerox Corporation, a guy trained me, a sales rep. He was sort of my big brother as I went through training. And I remember, you know, Seven or eight years later, I became the branch manager of the federal branch for Xerox Corporation. And this guy was a sales rep in my branch. And I remember talking to him and saying, you know, you're still a sales I said, that's what I do. I'm really good at it. I make mm-hmm. a lot of money. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. What in God's name would I want to be a manager? And, and, and I, I think there's a, you know, it, it was an important lesson. Um, and I, I think not just for, um, not just for, you know, sales types, but for all types, that, that there are people who are very good at what they do and they're happy doing it. You don't necessarily need to be moving and promoting uh, everyone for people to be happy. And I totally agree with you because, again, from my own experience uh, working and, and coaching people, some are unhappy in their management positions. They thought they wanted it, but they didn't fully realize what that entails. And then they say, well, how can I get back to what, I've, what I really enjoy? And, and that <clears throat> is the challenge. But many but many can. So you've given us five thoughts about getting uh, results, and they're great. And now I want to move on to what I said when I introduced you, that uh, the best thing you ever learned is a simple lesson. So what have you learned? And I'm sure it's not just one thing. You probably learned quite a few things. Um, uh, so tell me about that. Well, I've, I've learned a lot over the years, and and I've and, and you know, both from mistakes and from successes. Uh, and I've been really fortunate, uh, blessed would be a better term, to have worked with great people in great environments. And so I have all of those things. But th- this greatest lesson there, the best thing I ever learned, I don't want to say the greatest lesson, but the best thing I ever learned was a simple lesson. So, you know, you hear lots of discussions about things like passion and vision and understanding the customer and marketing and sales and, and execution and strategy and all these important things. All of those are really, really important. So many years ago when I was a CEO of a small company in Seattle, one of our venture capitalists came. We were having a board meeting. And after the board meeting, he pulled me aside and said, you have a problem. And I thought, oh, goodness, what the heck did it be? You know, what, what's going on that I need to be aware of? And I, you know, and, and quite frankly, I was, was a little concerned. Uh-huh. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, I asked the young lady at the front desk what she was doing and why it mattered. And she couldn't tell me. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, listen, unless everybody in the company can tell you why what they're doing is important on that day and what it means to the value of the company, 
they're not going to do it with their whole heart and soul, nor are they committed to the success of the company. And so he taught me this simple lesson, which is, you know, that everyone needs to understand the big goal and what's needed to get there. And everyone needs to understand what they need to do to get to the big goal and why what they're doing is critically important to achieving the big goal. And I think that when you get that kind of message and people buy into it, you get the, the most incredible levels of productivity and success. So this, this simple lesson about making sure that everyone understood why what they were doing is important and why it's part of the big goal of the company is the most valuable thing I've ever learned. And it was a simple thing from a venture capitalist at a, after a board meeting. And, you know, it, it seems so simple um, and, and intuitive uh, and makes sense. But it's not done. Um, <laughs> do you have any idea why it's not done in companies? Because it, it doesn't take a lot of time. You no, know? it doesn't. But, you know, I, I think that, that we all, and, 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 and I, I'm no saint here. I, I'm not trying to paint this picture, Marsha, that I, that I do this right all the time or that I know the answers or that I'm you know, above the fray. But I think we get caught up in the day-to-day and we lose sight of the things that really matter. And we start worrying about um, things that are important but not critical to our long-term success. And, and that's why I, I, you know, I talk about sit, stepping back and asking the so what question. And I think that has to do with paying attention to what really matters. And when you realize that the most important thing you've got is always going to be the team that's going to get you, you know, you can have the best vision of the world, and if you can't deliver against it, it it's, doesn't have any value at all. Um, then I think it becomes easier to start paying attention to these kinds of things. So we're going to end this session with our segment with a final thought from Steve Blank. Now tell me again who Steve Blank is and uh, what's important. Well, Steve Blank's... Well, Steve Blank's one of the coolest serial entrepreneurs ever. He was involved in a lot of early stage companies. He's uh, uh, in his mid sixties now. Um, was with companies like MIPS and, and companies like that, and made a ton of money. Retired. Uh, he's been teaching at Stanford, and he does a lot of work on helping startups be successful. And so, what are some of those fine? You know, some of the things that you want to get across. Well, he ends his presentations with this thought every time, and I think it's wonderful. He says, be forever curious, volunteer for everything, show up a lot, treat failure as a learning experience, live life with no regrets, and remember, there is no undo button. And I think that's, that's just a wonderful way to look at life in a startup environment. And, you know, um, all these are, you know, there's, one, there's five or six things he talks about from Be Forever Curious. What one resonates with you the most? <laughs> you know, I think as I've gotten uh, older, I think more than anything else, um, it's the treat failure as a learning experience. Um, I try really hard when things don't go well to figure out why they didn't what I could have done differently, mm-hmm. and how I can turn it into an advantage the next time around. Um, I, 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 look, I don't like to lose. I mean, I hate it as much as the next, well, maybe more than the next guy. I, mm-hmm. I genuinely hate losing. On the other hand, if it's going to happen, and it will happen, um, I might as well turn it into an experience that adds value to my life 
rather than something that I moan and complain and don't get any value from. And, and I, I think that's a, a, something that is easy to talk about, hard to do, but worthwhile if you can, if you can, if you can develop a discipline to make it happen in your own life. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break, but I do, you know, it's interesting because I, I would have chosen that um, and um, live life with no regrets. And I think that's because <laughs> as we get older, we just have to say, hey, the past is the past and we need to move on. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Tom is going to tell us a little bit how to contact him and uh, anything else that you feel that the uh, listeners need to learn. So let's take a short break. It's Marsha Idol, the Smart Moves Coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's business channel. Stay tuned. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Where will your business be five years from now? Will you be soaring or just getting by? Of course you want to grow and prosper, but with growth comes bigger headaches. More hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more plates to juggle, more stress, and more demands on your time. Yes, there is a solution. It's the Smart Growth System, created by Marsha Zidal, executive coach to business leaders. It will give you the tools to take the growing pains out of growth. Get a free consultation and assessment from Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, this is Marcia Seidel, your Smart Moves Coach, and my uh, guest is Tom Borger, and he gave us some wonderful insights from his years of experience uh, working in startups and, uh, and with entrepreneurs. And so, um, Tom, tell the, um, the listeners a little bit about yourself and then how to contact you, okay? Sure, sure, Marcia. I, uh, 
Um, you can reach me. Uh, Mike, all my contact information is in LinkedIn. So uh, it's B-O-R-G-E-R, Borger, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And uh, I'm one of those people that puts my uh, my email address and everything on there. So if you want to reach out to me, do that. Um, about me at this point in life, I'm, I'm busy trying to help companies be successful. Uh, I'm really fortunate to have a, a wonderful client who's working uh, a new software company in the assisted living space where I'm spending a large majority of my time, but I'm always open to conversations with people who are looking uh, for ways to help their companies grow and would appreciate some outside help. So if that's something that would be of interest to you, whether it's consulting or whether it's just sitting down and having a cup of coffee and chatting, I'm happy to help as as, as much as I can. Um, I'm really, really blessed to have a, a great contact uh, list here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where I live. And uh, if you're from this part of the world in particular, I can help you, you know, connect you to some other people if that's worthwhile. So that's a, a little bit about my background and what I'm doing right now. Well, thank you, Tom, so much. I really, uh, Tom, I've met uh, because I'm also from Dallas locally, and I've gained so much insights from you, and I, I, I want to thank you again for being on the program. It was my pleasure, Marcia. Thank you for having me. It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth. How to increase your influence. When was the last time you thought about how you influence others, how you change minds, shaped opinions, or moved others to act? The ability to influence is one of the essential skills for leaders of growing enterprises. So, listeners... What's your influence style? Let's quickly review the top five. First, assertion. I stand up for what I want. You influence others by knowing what you want and voice your views persuasively. Your desire is not to win every time, but to make sure you have others' attention. Two, expertise. I have the experience and the skills. You influence others because you have credibility with others. Your desire is to use your track record to give others confidence in your advice or solutions. Number three, collaboration. I realize there is power in numbers. You influence others by building relationships with people at different levels and functions. Your desire is to bring others into your circle for support. Number four, preparation. I've done the research and know all about it. You influence others by offering logical, rational reasons and by being detailed and systematic. Your desire is to be master of your topic and get others' respect. And number five, motivational. I want to encourage others. You influence others by putting across your views with inspiration and excitement. Your desire is to develop a shared purpose and appeal to others' values, beliefs, and enthusiasms. You see, each of these styles can be effective depending on the situation and the people involved. A common mistake is to use one-size-fits-all approach. So here are three steps to increase your influence. First, identify your style. It all begins with self-awareness. What's your primary style? 
do you tend to apply the same approach to every situation? Knowing your natural inclination is a good place to start. But if you're not sure, consider taking a quick assessment. Second, assess your situation. Who are the key people you need to influence to achieve an objective or overcome an obstacle? What influencing style might be more effective with them? For example, if you're dealing with a data-driven CFO, consider using the preparation approach. If you're in a crisis situation where people are relying on you to be decisive, an assertion style would be more effective. If you're working cross-functionally and need assistance from someone who doesn't report to you, a a collaborative style may be the way to go. Finally, shift your style. Once you understand your natural orientation and the appropriate styles to influence those around you, figure out where you're effective and where you need to shift gears and start using a different approach. It may require a workshop, coach, or mentor to become skilled in developing new styles. So here's your Smart Moves Coach. Begin with small steps low-stakes situations where you can test out a different influencing approach. Target a person or situation where you like to achieve a certain outcome. Think through the influencing style that will work best and give it a try. See what works and what doesn't. Are you building your capability and confidence? And as you do that, move on to higher-stakes scenarios. Listeners, would you like to know more about influencing others? Send an email to Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com with the words influencing style in the subject line. Or call me at 972-380-9181. You're listening to Marcia Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach. Making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Listeners, the topic of next week's program is Even Excellent Entrepreneurs Need Some Help with my guests Jim Stewart and Tom Englander of ES Interims. Your business is growing and you find yourself with too many demands on your time or your personal expertise. A bandwidth issue. You know that to grow, your company needs help, but you are reluctant to add people. How do you find a temporary fix that lets the company grow to new heights without a long-term commitment? That is the perfect time to rely on an interim. Jim and Tom will discuss what interims are and how they can make a positive impact on your business. Tune in February 5th at 11th Pacific to Eastern. Now, here's a smart move tips for the coming week. Do you only get good news from your employees? Then that's bad news. Do you get angry, upset, and frustrated when they come to you with a problem? If you see they're avoiding you, then something may be wrong and you will not know about it until it's too late. So the next time someone comes to you with a problem... Don't kill the messenger. I'll end with my favorite quote. There are three kinds of people in the world. Those who make it happen, those who let it happen, and those who ask, what happened? 
Which one are you? If you're highly motivated to make it happen, let me help you make it happen. Call me now for a free consult, 972-380-9181, or email Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Thank you for listening. Tune in every week, 11 Pacific, for The Business Edge with Marcia Zidle, the Smart Moves Executive Coach and Speaker, helping entrepreneurs and business leaders take their company, firm, or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth, innovate, improve, ignite, or die, make smart moves. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. Please join us again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And enjoy taking your business to the next level. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.